Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret's just-arrived collection of swim and other sun-ready silhouettes. Pack your bags with new styles from the Very Sexy Collection, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy push-up bra, in on-trend hues like green and citron and black shine. Rewind to the future with the VS Archives Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. Plus, mix and match with their wide range of bikini tops and bottoms to find your dream suit. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. You know you've got a comeback in you. When you take the next step, you're going to make it count for your career, for your family, for your life. You can earn a degree you're proud of with Purdue Global. Purdue Global is backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected and innovative public universities. This is your chance. This is your opportunity. This is your comeback. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Welcome to You Down, a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. We give trolls too much credit. It's not just the trolls who are out here saying wild, racist, dismissive things. It's normal-ass people who are living in your normal-ass neighborhood who are existing with these thoughts and these beliefs. Hi, everyone, and welcome back to You Down, a podcast where four funny honeys come together to talk about what's going on in the culture. I'm Mamia Aforo. I'm Ashley Holston. I'm Shakira Janae Pei. And I'm Yasmin Monet Watkins. But collectively, we are known as Obama's Other Daughters. Yeah. And today we're asking Are you down with intersectionality? As a queer Black woman, I personally know what intersectionality is in theory, but today we're talking to writer, activist, and public academic Rachel Cargill, who's made it her mission to help us all learn and unlearn about the history and root causes of our current climate surrounding race, class, gender, sexuality, the whole kit and caboodle. But before we jump into it, what y'all loving and what you hating this week? Y'all, I went camping this week, and y'all know I bought a hammock stand off Amazon, so that's what I've been sleeping in. Mm -hmm. It just feels better on my back. But when I went camping, I was able to sleep in a hammock in a tree, and it's a whole (laughs) different thing. I don't know why. I actually had to, Yasmin, I thought about you because to tie the hammock around the tree, you kind of have to hug the tree. And I was like, this is a very Yasmin moment. Let me me thank this tree tree. for its service. (laughs) (laughs) But um, uh, it's such a good investment, guys. I've definitely taken an amazing nap in a hammock once. 
I'm always thinking about bugs when I'm laying outside in the grass. Yeah, yeah that might mean you're not an outside person, mommy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so there were bugs on your camping trip. Just uh, absolutely. Outside are bugs. You know, this week, something that I'm really loving, and I've talked about the ocean before, but this past weekend, I told myself every day of the week I was going to the sea. And I also learned how to surf. Wow. That's That's so exciting. Wait, you learned how to surf or you took a lesson? You know how to get up and jump up on the wave? I got on the board twice. Wow, yeah. Wow. It was sort of an impromptu lesson. Okay, cool. Uh, Wait, who did you, what wanderer on the beach did you run into? Because I know you didn't sign up for a class. I know you just like happened upon a I swear, sometimes the universe be looking out because learning how to surf has been on my bucket list for years. And I have not made it a priority. And then a friend of a friend had some boards. (laughs) A friend of a friend. They sound like your your weekend, yeah. And I wasn't Mm. even planning on it necessarily. We just were both at the same beach at the same time. And she's like, we're doing surf lessons. Want to join? And I was like, oh, yes, wow. I do. I, it's also on my bucket list. I imagine it being so freeing. So oh. exhilarating. Yeah. When I stood up, I was like, you can't tell me nothing. Nothing. <laughs> I feel like it's like the first time you jumped down the stairs uh, on skates. <laughs> yes. You're like, I rule the world. Yes. Like, no one can tell me nothing. King Kong Inc. Okay, I'm going to calm down. Yeah, there is something about conquering a skill that it feels yeah. so good. I feel like the closest I'll ever get to surfing is wakeboarding. Because, also y'all, fun. the ocean is just a little scary for me. It is. I love water sports, but like a jet ski, I'm not like actually up in the water. I'm just riding up on it fast and doing I my thing. I have a life jacket on. I have a life jacket on. <laughs> surfing now. It's, we in a deep blue and shoot, sharks ain't no joke. There were only dolphins. But my heart, even if I saw a dolphin like close to me and I'm that far out, I'm freaking out. Like deep down, I'm holding it together by a G-string. Well, that's why you should also wear supportive swimwear. Well, let me tell you, if a shark wanted you on that jet ski, it's going to get you. It's over for you. I feel like I could fight him on a jet ski a little bit. Kira. You might be able to run. I would love to to see this fight. (laughs) Okay, y'all remember how LL Cool J killed that one shark in that deep blue movie with the cross? And he said the Bible verse as he did it. Just imagine Mm -hmm. me doing the same exact thing. I am right now (laughs) loving, it's something small, but I got this creme brulee flavored almond milk Mm. uh, coffee creamer. And Mm. like every (laughs) cup of coffee I've had all week has been, it's creme brulee flavored, so sugar. Then it's Mm. almond milk, so health. And then you throw it in the coffee (laughs) and there's energy. Energy. Sugar, health. This is literally just a sugar bomb that Shakira is explaining. (laughs) Yeah. It sounds good. There's something about creamer mm, that changes the coffee. Yes. Well, happy sipping over there. Thank you. (laughs) This week, I, I mean every week, but this week specifically, I'm really loving... Nigerian movies. There's so many of them on Netflix, which Mm -hmm. if you told me that two years ago, I would be like, that's never going to happen. So it's really cool. And as a Ghanaian, I kind of take ownership over because the quality of Nigerian movies is so much better than Ghanaian movies. 
but we still compete and win the giraffe rice race. Oh, I was curious about that. (laughs) (laughs) But anyway, there's so many good ones and they're just so cheesy and like so fun to watch and comment. My family, we watched this one called Chief Daddy. Chief Daddy. Chief Daddy. There's a really good one that actually went to Tribeca called Nigerian Prince. That's super good, too. mm. And a lot of them are like, you already know the plot within the first (laughs) couple minutes. Mm -hmm. But there's just something about how it's just very different than American cinema Mm. in the way that the story is told and like the plot points that we would think, oh, it's 15 minutes and we have no idea what (laughs) these people are doing yet. So if you want to laugh, you know, get some wine and watch a Nigerian film on Netflix. Okay. I love that you watched it with your family because my favorite thing, like, (laughs) is to dissect television as I'm watching it with the people with me. And it's so much better when you can be loose Mm -hmm. with your Mm hand. And be like, what is she thinking? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, guys, I think it's time for us to jump into our main convo. And today, we're talking about intersectionality with Rachel Cargill. Intersectional. <laughs> like the way <laughs> Kira is both a thug and a comedian. Interset. <laughs> Intersectional. Uh, but first, let's take a quick little break. <laughs> Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-errands pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. 
Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Welcome back, everyone. Let's get into it. So Kimberly Crenshaw coined the term intersectionality. And today we are going to get further into that conversation and chat with public academic, writer, lecturer, and my friend, Rachel Cargill. Rachel's activist and academic works are rooted in providing intellectual discourse, tools, and resources that explore the intersection of race and womanhood. Mm -hmm. Her social media platform engages over 1.8 million people through which Rachel guides conversations, encourages critical thinking, and nurtures meaningful engagement with people all over the world. If you haven't been on her Instagram, do yourself a favor and head there now. Rachel, we're so excited to have you here today. Thanks for joining us. I'm so happy. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, of course. Okay, so of course, we're all obsessed with you in our own rights. But for those who don't know yet, can you tell us about your rise to becoming such a respected resource on race and intersectionality? It was kind of an unexpected journey for me, but it's been such an incredible build of community, build of consciousness, build of conversation around intersectionality. And it really started, um, I had a photo that went viral on Instagram after the Women's March. Mm. And that's when things kind of took off where people were coming to me to be in conversation about intersectionality because it was a photo of me and my white friend Dana standing next to each other, fist raised with signs that said, if you're not for all women, then you're for no women. And so it kind of became a conversation starter. And I got a lot of opportunity to discuss my experiences, my insight, and it kind of took off as this space in this platform to be in critical conversation about these things that we all are experiencing, mm-hmm. but at the time hadn't been in critical conversation about, but now it's at the forefront of what I feel like is all conversation. So it's wonderful to have had the experience of being in the conversation and then now to see it all kind of materialize in this space of action and intention. Mm-hmm. It's so interesting that your kind of rise started with a photo uh, Uh because it feels like social media is a big part of your work or how you get your work across. Can you talk about, I guess, the role social media plays in your work and what drove you to creating The Great Unlearn? Social media is such a blessing and a curse. It's sometimes Mm. the best thing ever, (laughs) and it's sometimes the absolute worst. And so I think I've been on both ends of that. I think I've been able to see the incredible way that people from all over the world, so many different backgrounds, so many different neighborhoods, so many different experiences can come together and just be in conversation about our shared experiences to teach each other, to learn from each other, and just to 
get insight into things you never would have been able to see or understand Mm. if it wasn't for social media's access that it offers us. But also, you know, it's crazy out there. (laughs) (laughs) It's a wild, wild west. A different Uh wild, wild west than we've discussed before. Wild, wild web. You're right. That's it. It's a wild, wild wild web. web. Wild, wild web. (laughs) Yes. Do you do comedy, Rachel? (laughs) This podcast was for me to announce my new career. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome. (laughs) But yeah, sometimes it can be the absolute worst. My comment section can be a shit show. My DMs are also equally a shit show. And just the ways that people can have this courage and this boldness behind screens when they don't have to actually interact with people Mm -hmm. in a face-to-face way. So yeah, sometimes it's, the best and sometimes it's the worst but I think that I have been so lucky to have been building a community and conversation over these last few years that has been much more meaningful than it has been catastrophic Mm -hmm. overall I think Mm -hmm. (laughs) the good outweighs the crazy comments for sure for sure for sure (laughs) (laughs) I guess for all the folks at home and for us what is intersectionality and and why is it so important for people to understand Intersectionality is such a buzzword these days. Often when I'm out Mm -hmm. lecturing, I say like, if intersectionality is in your bio, you probably don't actually know what it means as like an intersectional (laughs) feminist. That's what you see a lot. And the thing that I teach mostly is intersectionality is not a word. It's a whole ass theory that was developed by a Black academic, Kimberly Crenshaw. She took on the work of many, many academics, many activists, many writers who came before her, who talked on the theme of intersectionality, but there wasn't necessarily a word for it because Black women have been experiencing intersectionality over all of time of this intersection of being Black and experiencing the specific oppressions of Blackness and the intersection of womanhood and experiencing the sexism that comes with existing in a body that presents as a woman. Intersectionality, the term coined by Kimberly Crenshaw, was specifically in response to the court cases that were happening. She was in law school when she studied this, and she was looking at the ways that Black women were not being seen within the judicial system. Hmm. So it was specifically um, with a court case that was happening at a big big manufacturing factory and Black women were getting fired. And they went to court and were saying that it was a race issue, that they were discriminating based on race and all these Black women were getting fired. And the judge was like, oh no, there's Black men there. So this doesn't have anything to do with race. And then they came in and they said, okay, well, it's a gender thing. All of us Black women are getting fired. And they said, oh, there's white women working there. So this can't be a gender thing. And so it looked at this intersection of you're not a white woman and you're not a black man. And there's this intersection where we exist, where the literal judicial system was not seeing black women Mm. as something to be fought for, something to be defended. And so that was where Kimberly Crenshaw really had her punch in intersectionality and that work. But intersection is really looking at these intersections of the oppressions that we experience. And a lot of people think it means integration or it means... (sighs) I don't know what, like, oh, look, there's one black girl here and all of us 50 million white people. And that's intersectionality. No, it's actually taking accountability and being aware of these intersections of oppression and finding ways to center these people that are most marginalized in a society that often completely dismisses their existence. Mm. Wow. That's just, thank you for that rundown. I came to your talk 
You did about a year my weekend or two. Of my lecture in L- was it in L- yeah in LA? Yeah, it was at the. Um, I miss us. I know, I miss you. <laughs> um, but I just remember sitting there in that room, and you know, the audience was really full of women who it seemed like they were salivating for you to vindicate them from something through teaching and. It was just such an energy and like the strangest thing to see these people like almost want you to be like, beat it out of me, Rachel, beat it out of me. I love you. you know, like the whole model that you've built your business on is remarkable. I just had to say that. I'm so glad you were there and you were able to get a firsthand experience of what my audience is like. And I don't know if you stayed after, but there's usually like a line after to speak to me. And every single time it's a line of white women waiting to tell me they're this time I wasn't a racist story and they're waiting for me they're waiting for me to be like good job I'm so proud of you good learning and it's 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 a very interesting anthropological ethnographic study into white guilt Mm -hmm. into white exceptionalism into just like social justice warrior spaces and how that was such a precursor for the intensity of it that we're seeing right now in the midst of the Mm. protests. And I will say, girl, I'm so grateful for the space you create on the internet because when I don't have the capacity, I am literally like, go check out her work. You know, like it's like a very simple, like forward, go do some of your own work, go learn. I've sent a lot of white people to your page, so. Truly, I hope people do. I often get so many Black people who say, Rachel, how do I get into this work? Or I'm too exhausted to do this or to explain this or to have this experience with a white person. And I always say, this is my livelihood. I get paid to do this kind of work. I get paid to do the studying and create these tools and these materials to teach. So please, I always say, those of us who this is our livelihood, this is how we do our work bring people to us so that we can continue to make a living doing this work. And also Mm -hmm. Black people have no requirement to teach or to do this type Mm. of anti-racism work. So I appreciate you all sending people my way. And I also want to affirm to Black people listening that it is not your job to hold white people's hands or teach them through how to be a not racist person. There's many of us who (laughs) teach and write books and write articles and develop tools that you can send their way. And I hope that we can be a resource, not just to the white people who obviously need to learn, but to the Black people who need to rest and can send people our way where we can offer them a lot of the things that we've been building and developing and creating and anti-racism work over the years. I feel like that's a perfect segue into the work you do with The Great Unlearn. I know we brought it up a little bit earlier, but what exactly does that look like? And then for those who don't know, in addition to all this amazing work, she also runs a bookstore called Elizabeth's Bookshop and Writing Center, which I truly can't wait when the world opens back up to come to Ohio to visit it. Tell us about The Great Unlearn. And then also, like, what are some books that you think are imperative for folks to understand intersectionality and race in America? So The Great Unlearn is my version of an autodidactic map. 
I did a lot of my own learning. I don't have a degree. A lot of people are usually shocked to learn. People like usually put PhD after my name or they ask me what <laughs> graduate program I was a part of. And I'm like, I haven't graduated with any degrees. All of my learning has been done personally. I love Learning that. through other people. Thanks. Yeah. And a lot of people have expressed to me that they love it, that they love this idea that we can exist in the world critically and academically without giving our money to these predominantly mm-hmm. white institutions who really don't care about us anyway. And you did do that, right? Yeah, yeah. Can you speak a little to that? Yeah, for sure. I'm studying at Columbia University. I was studying anthropology and I was enjoying the coursework. It was actually a really great learning experience for me, but I was seeing on the sidelines all of these ways that the university was completely harming and being dismissive of the realities of their Black Mm. students. And I just was like, I'm not giving you all my money for you to treat my people like this. And so I just decided to walk away and I left Columbia and I started doing more intensive learning myself. I started buying more books. I started watching lectures online. Mm. I started buying and reading academic textbooks and then reaching out to the authors to ask my questions. Wow. Any chance you spoke to Patricia Hill Collins? No, I haven't spoke to Patricia Hill Collins, but I wouldn't put it past me to like just shoot an email and be like, hey, I've read your work and this is what I've learned. Can you explain X, Y, Z to me? I did that to many, many authors who in our minds, we would have never thought to really feel the freedom to reach out to someone. But everyone likes to hear that their work is appreciated. And everyone likes to hear that there's someone invigorated Mm. by what they've written. And I've found lots of really meaningful contact with authors and academics who I've been able to have one-on-one conversations with. And so I started to reimagine what it could mean to be an academic. And Mm. so I started to use the title public academic and people started to take me seriously in my work. And I started to get invited to lecture at, I, I think I've lectured at all of the IVs. I've been able to do really great lectures at Ohio State, at a a lot of other wonderful universities. And I do my own public lecturing. So I go around the country and I've been able to sell out spaces to teach and lecture on topics of my own choosing. And it's just been this incredible opportunity to reimagine what it means to be a scholar. And the great unlearn was my answer to all of the people asking me, how did I do it? How was I doing it? Who was I learning from? And so I developed the great unlearn as a space for people to learn along with me and to learn from incredible Black academics who I bring in to be our expert. And The Great Unlearn, every month I issue a new syllabus with a new topic and a new expert. And all of our experts are usually Black, usually queer. Yes. Some are in academia, some aren't. And it's just been an incredible opportunity to gather resources. The Great Unlearn has what we call office hours every month where our students get to come on and watch a lecture from our experts, something that usually would be so hard to get into with the Mm -hmm. caliber of people that we've been able to bring in. And we also have something called Study Hall where we all get together and have kind of like not a book club, but an article club where we study an article together that speaks on the topic at hand. And it's just been this incredible space of everyday people committed to learning, committed to their curiosity. And it's donation-based and it's self-paced. So there's not the capitalist qualities of you have to pay us a trillion dollars and you have to do it within this amount of time to be deemed meaningful or to be deemed productive. Mm -hmm. And it's been a really awesome 
curation of knowledge and critical conversation and just people being intent in their own learning, which obviously advises how we exist in the world. I'm really proud of The Great Unlearn. Sounds like you should be very proud of that work, of taking the initiative to learn on your own, which I don't think (laughs) most people do. It's something I love about, I'm a big YouTuber and I'm like, I can learn anything on the Mm -hmm. internet. There's so much. There's so much. In Unpacking White Feminism, um, your talk, you say that. That is part of it that tickled me too. It was like, at the end, like, and all of this information is on the internet and on Google and on you. And people are like, wait, it's not magic? (laughs) I know. And that's also, I think, what the grade unlearn is really good for is that the syllabus is a gathering of resources. So we look for things for people to listen to, people to read and people to watch. So it usually ends up being a collection of YouTube videos or a documentary from somewhere, podcasts, different things like that, articles. And I try to make it as accessible as possible so we don't have anything that's behind a JSTOR paywall. JSTOR be keeping us back. I I know, right? this, but I'm not paying your (laughs) academic prices for this website. I know. It's so sad that the knowledge that's supposed to be shifting society isn't actually available to society, Mm, but that's a whole other podcast. But we try (laughs) to make it as accessible (laughs) as possible. And it's so interesting to see people reading these things that they clearly could have searched themselves. But I guess that's part of what we're offering, gathering this information so that they can access it and start being in conversation about the things we find. But yeah, you're definitely right. Like I said, I don't have a degree. So it's not like I was inside of the Columbia library wall. There's no like secret vault of black knowledge (laughs) that only black people have and white people are just now getting access Mm -hmm. to it. Mm -hmm. All of this stuff has been online and available and in libraries and in journals for a very long time. Mm. And I hope that as I continue to curate these syllabi, they offer just touch points, launch pads for people to start to continue to do research that's meaningful for them. Yeah. I know you're known for dissecting off-the-wall comments that people leave on your page. You never mince words when you teach and when you speak. What's the craziest thing someone has ever said to you? The thing that comes to mind is I recently did one of my dissections this past Saturday, and there was a white woman who was like pleading for Black people to really just do better. And she said that because we as white women just want to be able to walk through the ghetto without being scared. Like she turned the whole entire social justice movement into... Black people deserving to get out of the ghetto so that white people can walk through those areas without fearing for their lives. And it was just such a (laughs) off-the-wall comment. And I just, usually I have a big explanation for why a person said what they said and what implicit racism and what biases these are coming from. I had nothing for that. Like, I don't know where this is coming from or how she might have possibly thought that that was a good idea. <laughs> I mean, has she seen your page before? Like, r- I don't read know. the room. I don't read it. Do you think she was just a troll? <laughs> Do you think, because I've seen, you know. That is such an issue for me. And, and I think it's a conversation that needs to be had overall is that we often give these horrible comments to trolls when trolls are also people mm. in the world. And so I think that people say like, oh, that was a troll comment. It's like, no, that was actually someone's grandma who actually mm. believed that. And she's raising her <laughs> grandkids to think that way. Yeah. Like we 
we give trolls too much credit. It's not just the trolls who are out here saying wild, racist, dismissive things. It's normal ass people who are living in your normal ass neighborhood who are existing with these thoughts and these beliefs. And so while, yes, I understand the concept of trolls, particularly in race work, I think that we need to stop giving trolls so much credit because the people who are saying these things are actual normal ass people existing in the world with these beliefs. Mm -hmm. Even if the avatar is not their face, they type whatever they just typed. They typed the thought that white people should be able to walk in these ghettos and feel I mean, it just sounds so crazy. It feels like a bit, you know, like it sounds so crazy. And I get so many of those and people are like, oh, Rachel, ignore Mm -hmm. it. It's a troll. And it's like, this is how people in America Mm -hmm. think. And this is why things need to change. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Very true. On your social media, you talk about how love changes things. And that's a huge part of what you do is Mm -hmm. encourage self-love and self-care. So can you speak a little bit about the lessons you've learned in love, both romantic and platonic? Ooh, that's a good question. I have been having so much reckoning within myself with the concept of love and the reality of love and my own definitions of it. And hearing you quote me in the term <laughs> love changes things, <laughs> it's making me really consider how hands-on love is, how it has to be vulnerable, how it has to be kind of, I don't want to say dirty in the sense of bad, but you have to get your hands into it, just like in the dirt and you're building something. And so there's no way to find love and not be vulnerable, Mm. whether that's with yourself, whether that's with other people. And so I think that when I say love changes things, it does indeed change maybe your everyday, who you're communicating with, who you're sleeping next to, who you're building these relationships with, but it changes you because it puts you into this space of inherent vulnerability that you really can't skirt around. You can't shortcut to love. You can't shortcut and be like, oh, I'm going to still be super, super blocked off, but I'm going to pretend like I'm deep in love. The only way to fall is to be vulnerable. And I think that seeing that change in yourself and seeing that change, it's always fun to kind of watch other people fall in love and be like, wow, okay, I see you being way different than you were two weeks ago talking about you didn't want to talk to anybody. <laughs> I'm good. That's I'm, me I'm after bad. this podcast. After we're done recording, <laughs> I find my new boo. So thank you. <laughs> but seeing it literally shapeshifts how we exist in the world. And I have learned so much about myself in the romantic relationships I've had over the last few years, I talk a lot on social media about my divorce. I was married very young. And then I kind of walked away from what people consider a good marriage. You know, he wasn't abusive. We built me a beautiful house. We were driving BMWs. I didn't have to work. He was making enough money. I was having this incredible okay. opportunity. Did you say he built but- you a house? Yeah, like, we had a house and I got to pick the out. No, no. <laughs> I was like, this is some notebook stuff, man, wow. <laughs> you have the right to leave regardless. But I was like, where he at building houses? Let me find, no. <laughs> but no, I got to design the house that I wanted and he made sure that it happened. And I just had a very easy experience because I was with this man who had the opportunity to give that to me, but I wasn't content. I talk about a lot how I just woke up one day like I don't want to do this not only for me because I don't want to exist in this 
guilt of knowing that I'm not supposed to be here, but also he deserved to be with someone who wanted to be there. And when I got that divorce and I moved to New York and I was living in like a shoebox apartment as compared to the four bedroom finished basement, beautiful two car garage house that I was living in, I had never been happier in my little shoebox and bed sty than, <laughs> you know, like it, it just was this experience of knowing where I was supposed to be, what my highest values are and how I wanted to exist in the world. And so coming out of that relationship and finding reiteration after reiteration of love in various ways and various people, I think love is probably a subject that I study within myself as much as I study and have intention with mm. anything else. Mm. That vulnerability, man. You have to be. So hard, right? It's yeah, at the core yeah. of like yeah. everything. It really is. It, I mean, because even in comedy, you have to be vulnerable to get a, a good laugh. My best laughs have been the times where I'm the most open. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and it's real, real afraid, real afraid. Thinking about it in business, too. I recently read a journal entry that I made about how dumb I felt talking to my lawyer and how dumb I felt talking to my financial advisor at the very, very beginning of my career. And I like, I didn't know anything. I had no direction. They would ask me questions and I'd have to like Google words to see what they were even talking about. And as much as I could have been like, okay, I'm not even going to do this, showing up vulnerably and being like, yes, I know nothing. When the protest started, I had a huge jump from 375 thousand followers to 1.5 million followers. And it was such a huge shift in the business of how I exist in the world. And Mm. if I hadn't have been vulnerable before and built this team of my advisor, of my lawyer, of Mm. my assistant, Mm. then I would have never had those relationships that literally were the only way I was able to stay grounded Mm -hmm. when that big jump came. And And so, yeah, vulnerability shows up. Um, I was ready. I know. I'm so thankful. I always say I pray to my younger self prayers of thankfulness for what she did to prepare me for now. Speaking of, it feels like you know a lot right now. You feels like you got it all together. What would you tell? I don't. I know no one has it all together. You know, I know that in in theory. (laughs) You know everything. But it feels like you're you're an expert today, so you got it all together. (laughs) Um, But uh, speaking of your younger self, is there a bit of advice you would give? to young you? You know, it's so interesting. I feel like my older self learns so much from my younger self as I get more maybe timid or scared as I get older. I'm not as reckless as I was when I was out here doing all things all the time, but it's what got me here. But I think with my younger self, I used to uh, watch on social media and just see people I admired and I would be so happy for them. Like Mm -hmm. I would be like, Yes, my leak. Yes, lovey. Yes, you know, everyone who is out here building these incredible spaces online. And I just wish I could go and sit with myself, cheering those people on and say like, oh, it's going to be your turn because you were able to prepare, because you've been doing your work, because you've been showing up, like it will be your turn to show up in the world in meaningful ways too. And so I think that I wouldn't necessarily go with any advice because my younger self knew so much, but I would just be Mm. cheering on with her. Like, yes, you got it. This is it. Everything you're going through is leading to more than you could ever imagine. (laughs) That's beautiful. I'm like, okay, younger me, let me just send this letter that Rachel just wrote (laughs) right on over to you. (laughs) No, it's so real, like thinking about what our younger selves could have wanted or needed to be successful Mm -hmm. and to thrive. Because I know that early on, there's so much doubt 
I share all the time, like old Facebook posts from younger me yes. that like, oh, here's a lesson from, you know, my 27 year old self or my 23 year old self. I recently had someone ask me, what am I most proud of? I was thinking about it and I say that I'm most proud that I was able to cultivate joy in every single season. Like when I had zero money and was the housekeeper at a hotel and when I was in New York City and babysitting white kids for, you know, all day, every day trying to make money when I couldn't pay my rent, when I was kind of getting my feet wet and what my career may be and everything was going wrong, I was still able to find joy and find some sort of peace within me as I moved through. And that is what I'm most proud of. Okay. So you have to tell us what are some of those things that brought you or bring you joy? I found a whole bunch of joy this morning, scrolling through all of the virtual film festivals that are happening because of COVID. It's so sad that they're not happening, but to our benefit, most film festivals are online right now. So you don't have to fly into here or there to watch this really great film. I'm a cinephile. I love seeing the human experience expressed creatively in film, that's one of the things that brings me joy. Just creativity, seeing people be dope with their abilities brings me so much joy. Napping brings me so much joy. (laughs) I just feel (laughs) just feeling like I've been able to uh, manage my time enough to get a nap in every day. Black people in general, just across the board, bring me joy, just our existence that does. And I moved home to Ohio earlier this year to be closer to my mom who was having a health issue and she's getting better. So I made the self-care decision to also get an apartment in Brooklyn. So being able to live between Ohio and Brooklyn is like just an incredible joy to have like my childhood home and then my heart's home in the city. That just felt like such a step of deep self-care and deep indulgence to say I deserve to exist in both places. That has been a source of deep joy for me, like gifting myself with that. Feels like a lot of the things that bring you joy are inherent to like you knowing yourself very well. Do you feel that you know yourself well? And like, what are some tools that you use to get there? Yeah, I started talking about this a lot about two years ago. I read a book called Grit by an author, Angela Duckworth. And it was such an eye-opening book. There's a lot of elitism and capitalism and a whole bunch of other horrible stuff braided into it. But there's also, you know, take the fish away the bones. And so one of the biggest things I got out of the book is exploring what my highest values are and coming to terms with what I actually care about and letting go of what I actually don't care about. And so I realized that some of my highest values for the last good while were ease, abundance, and opportunity. And so these were things that after I really considered, what are my deepest desires? What am I always dreaming of? What am I always thinking of? What am I sometimes envious that other people have? And so I started existing in my life through the lens of those things. So a really good example is in the ways that my highest values influence how I spend my money. My highest values influence who my friends are. My highest values influence how I interact with my home. One good example that I often tell as it applies to money is that I am not a clothes jewelry person. I probably have three pairs of shoes and I wear the same outfit five times over the course of a week. And like, I'm just not super into those things. But what I am into is having 
ease when I get the chance. So instead of spending my money on maybe like a designer bag or on a dress, I fly first class everywhere I go. Mm. <laughs> Hell yeah. yeah. Because that's the ease and the comfort that I want in my life. Finding your highest values allows you to have easy yeses and easy noes. So even if there are other opportunities for me to spend my money in a different way or to use my time in a different way, that might seem beneficial to someone else, but it simply doesn't fit inside my highest values and I'm not going to do it and it's going to be an easy no. Even for my business called the Loveland Group, whenever we have our Loveland meeting where everyone comes together, every year I lay out what my highest values are and your job is to literally do your job through my highest values. And mm. that's what my team does. I hire you because you're an expert, but your expertise needs to be through the lens of my highest values. And I remember last year, one of the best emails I ever received was when my manager and the, the person who runs my foundation, they were getting something together for me. And they said, hey, Rachel, we finished, but we want to send this over to you to make sure that it matches your highest values. And I'm like, Thank you for that. <laughs> you taught them well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the easiest way to ensure that the way I want to live exists in all areas of my life. So yeah, I do feel like I know myself very well because I spent a lot of time combing out what my highest values are and existing through that. And sometimes they shift and sometimes they change depending on what's happening in my life. But that has given me so much groundedness in how I exist in the world. It's crazy that it sounds so simple to make a list of the things that you value, but obviously that is not an easy thing to do. It feels daunting to figure yeah. out what your values are. I had to Google. <laughs> I just had to Google. How do you find yeah. out your values? <laughs> I do a workshop called Ascend where I walk people through how to find their highest values. And one of my favorite exercises in finding it is to tap into fantasy. Oftentimes we associate fantasy with sexual, which also is very valid in this situation. But to really consider what do you fantasize about? Mm. I know for me, when I wasn't really making any money and I was living in a really horrible apartment in Brooklyn, I remember just being in the shower and thinking, how incredible would it be to have a dentist whenever I needed one? How incredible uh. would it be to have access to a dermatologist? How great would it be to be able to buy the luggage that I want that I know will stay together for this trip between <laughs> here and there? And I just remember fantasizing about having a roster of doctors that I would have access to. And it's so silly, but I would literally fantasize about that type of ease. That helps me tap into what my greatest values are. And when I do these workshops, people tell me a lot of times they fantasize about Christmas morning with their future family. So one of their highest values is family and community because they really care so much about what that tradition mm. and ongoing family life would be like. Some people would tell me that they would fantasize about being able to climb Mount Everest when they're 60. It's like, okay, wellness is a really huge part of your highest values. So if things don't fit into what you want to be doing when you're 60, then you should consider making that a highest value. So just my super easy tip of tapping into what your fantasies are and deciding how those might play into what you really, really want in the world. Mm, mm, mm. Yes. 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 And while you said that, I was like, oh, yeah, this is what I fantasize about. This is what I think about. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> the, the random things I look at on Instagram consistently, like that yeah. little area where it's like everything that you go to a lot and 
they want you to click more. Yep. Exactly. <laughs> so just look at your Instagram ads. Yeah. Basically. <laughs> Those are your highest value. <laughs> My heart is so full. I'm really glad that we're recording this so I can like go back and take notes. Thank you for the unapologetic way you exist. I saw your bi post and I was like, oh, we exist. Like, of course, yeah. like queer Black women are at the forefront of changing the world. Yeah, that's been such an interesting conversation across the board, too. But there's so many incredible queer Black women who are doing so much incredible work. So, Rachel, for people who want to connect, where can they follow you and find all your amazing resources? Most of my work happens on Instagram and it's at rachel.cargill, C-A-R-G as in girl, L-E. And my website where it holds all of my stuff, rachelcargill.com. You can get access to The Great Unlearn if you want to learn along with me, access to my bookstore, Elizabeth, as well as some of my consultation work and just some of the fun work that I do in other freelance ways as well. And my foundation, the Loveland Foundation, there's information there as well. And we provide free mental health therapy sessions to Black women and girls. And so the lovelandfoundation.org is a huge, meaningful space if anyone wants to explore me and my work as well. We're doing a lot of really great work over there. Let's go. Thank you for being (laughs) with us today. Thank you for inviting me. Anytime you want to come back, just let us know. Right. <laughs> we'll get a reoccurring calendar date, don't worry. <laughs> Perfect. Perfect. Guys, that was so fun. And um, I'm ready to give some advice. But before we do that, let's take a quick break. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. You deserve a moment to yourself every single day. And a delicious bite of a Keebler Sandies can give you that comforting pause. (sighs) Don't forget to pack the melt-in-your-mouth magic of a Keebler Sandies for a post-errands pick-me-up. This magic is baked into simple shortbread cookies by Ernie and the Keebler Elves. So as life continues to fly by, make the most of your me moment. Take a pause and enjoy a Keebler Sandies. This is it. 
your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global. Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Okay, welcome back. Welcome back. It's time for us to give a lucky listener some advice. Ashley, what you got for us? All right, y'all. This is a juicy letter. It reads, I'll get right into it. I got myself into a predicament and now I'm stuck. For context, I work in a predominantly white and male environment. She's Black and she's from Mali, to be specific. This doesn't bother me too much because I truly enjoy my job and I'm good at it. Good for you, girl. I've been working there for about four years and I've moved up ever since. Okay, she bragging too. Come on, climbing the ladder. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> a little over a year ago, I got a new coworker that is also black, and naturally, we just clicked. Okay, here we go. We gonna call him Ben. Ooh. It was nice to finally have someone that looks like me. I should point out that Ben is very attractive, smart, and always smells good. Ooh. I love a man that smells Ooh. good. I love that he looks <laughs> like you too. <laughs> <laughs> Since Ben started, we've gotten closer as we've had to work a few projects together. Ben is also very flirty, and we've harmlessly flirted back and forth. He's basically morphed into my work husband. He'd buy me a random coffee, check on me when I'm not in, and even got me flowers on my birthday. It's not innocent. Don't seem like. Beautiful. Now to the sticky part. Uh Uh-oh. Ben is also in a serious relationship. No, Ben. Matter of fact, he proposed <gasps> to his long-term <gasps> girlfriend. Ah, this is too messy for me, y'all. I mean, All right. this is a lot. So we're going to tag team it a little bit. She goes on to say, A few months ago, we had to work together on a project, and he offered to finish at his place, ooh, since he was expecting a delivery that needed to be signed mm-mm, for. Mm-mm. We ordered takeout and worked out of his living room. Not long after we finished work, we decided to watch an episode of Queen of the South. Mm-hmm. Okay. And before you and know it— And then he it, went down south. We were locking lips! <laughs> Nasty girl. Girl! Why are you judging her? No judgments, no judgments. I, no, I was, I life. was. I'm sorry. She's over here saying, we made out and eventually had sex. It was mind-blowing. She also has a caveat. I'm also single and haven't had sex in two years. She says, in a way, I was very satisfied because I had countless fantasies about him. Mm. And then, Mamia, can you finish us up with this last little Mm. portion Mm. of the letter? Sure. Mm. She goes on. I felt really guilty afterwards. This is a whole engaged man. (laughs) Okay, here she goes. (laughs) I decided to avoid him for the next couple of weeks, even though I craved him now more than ever. Okay. He texted me multiple times to check on me and apologize for putting me in a weird situation. He also admitted that he couldn't stop thinking about me. (gasps) One night, Mm -hmm, he called me up and I answered because I was bored. He drove Mm -hmm. over to me 
to apologize and we had sex again in his car. <laughs> in the car? Girl. In the car. My dilemma is that even though a big part of me knows how messed up this is, I kind of don't want to stop. He doesn't either. I feel like I don't have much to lose except living with a heavy conscience. What should I do since he doesn't seem to care? I feel so bad for his fiance. No, you don't. But I also <laughs> have me. Okay, she didn't sign her name. Molly okay. and oh, I'm girl sign is it what we'll call her. What? What, what, what should we her? call her? Um, knows the truth but doesn't want to admit it. Mm. Mm. Knows the truth but don't care. Yeah. All right, knows the truth but don't care. To be on her side, <laughs> know the truth. Yes, she being messy, and she knows she being okay. messy. But he's the whole ass engaged man, and mm-hmm. uh, he needs to take some responsibility on a heavier end because he's the one who's cheating. Absolutely. You know, she knows that he wrong, but he is the one who is engaged and got a fiance while he was flirting and buying flowers and birthday presents. I mean, I agree that it is more on him, right? Because mm-hmm. he's he's the person in relationship, but. My girl already say she feel bad about it. And if you feel bad, you know you're doing something wrong. What did Rachel say? You're not living your values. Your highest Mm. values. You're not living your highest value. I'm sure it's not to be the other woman having sex in the car. I was about to play you, but that's that's, that's some of the best sex I've ever had is in a car. (laughs) (laughs) But she knew what she was doing. Uh, Yeah, if you you didn't know about him being engaged and he was just dicking you down and then you found out later, then that'd be different. But since you know about him being engaged and still going with the flow, I mean, I think you're going to have to either have a hard conversation with him where he needs to address his partner. Mm -hmm. And if she's not down for an open relationship, which you know she won't be. uh, (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, people. I mean, she might. She might. But he wouldn't be sneaking, sucking and ducking. Ooh, Ooh. sucking and ducking. And I just feel like, girl, you deserve your own man. Like, you deserve to be loved wholly by somebody. Yes. Mm -hmm. This person is kind of using you because they are emotionally attached to you and they clearly like you, but they are so selfish that they also want to do the cookie cutter, have a wife and a Mm -hmm. fabulous wedding and have sex with you on the side. Think about it like that. Are you invited to the wedding? Like, girl? Ooh. Ooh. (laughs) And I think ultimately a lot of these advice letters come down to like, what do you want for your life? Ashley, you bringing up what Rachel was saying around like, what are your values? And... If having secret sex, you know, does it for you, uh, then this is, I guess, that highest purpose for you. But if you're looking for a relationship, you call him your work husband. Are you looking for an actual husband? Communication is just such a key part of that. I definitely think you should encourage Ben to talk to his fiance about well, no, not even I'm just, sorry. not even on behalf of <laughs> I yourself. I had a guttural reaction like, to that. I just, I and in general, I do really feel like. You should just communicate with the people that are in your life so they can make a choice about whether this is something they want. Look, you know what you need to do because you wrote in saying it's a dilemma. You wrote in a dissertation, by the way. A dissertation talk about how messed up this is. So just as hard as it is not to have this man's uh, mind-blowing sex in the car, it's not right. (laughs) Okay? It's not right and don't do it. It's not right and don't do it. In a discussion. And, you know, as a, you know, I've been single a while. And sometimes you do get some mind-blowing sex. And you are, Mm -hmm. you know, you tore up. Tore up from the flow up. Mm -hmm. But 
a lot of times you get, you know, really great sex more than once. And you got to believe that to be your truth. Because mm. for a while I thought, man, I ain't never going to get dicked down like that again. And then guess what? I got dicked down like that again by somebody oh, who actually hallelujah. was worthy of it, okay? And it was better, too. It was all oh, so it, it was probably better because that person and you, ca- like, Yes, it was a better person. It was an actual, you know, it was a better situation. He values you, yeah, not mm-hmm. just a whole. Think about that phone call he's going to get right after y'all finish fucking. And mm. it's his wife. You going to want to live with that? You don't. This is just you like don't. a Nigerian movie I watched this past week. <laughs> <laughs> it's the plot of that movie. Give her the, the, the name of it so she can watch it and learn her fate. So, yeah. I mean, treat people the way you want to be treated. Don't do no shiesty that stuff. Part. And karma is real. Just mm-hmm. that part as well. By real, we mean a bitch. <laughs> oh, yes. ooh, ooh, and she come back You don't know when she coming no, It don't. could be when you finally get that husband Thank Oh no you. Don't wish that on you her know. I don't wish it on her I'm just saying it could happen But also they have to work together still That's the part Oh we didn't even touch that They are the only two black people At a very white company You're right She does have to address them I would say Hey Ben You know what we did is what we did, but they gonna can't do, do it, it again anymore. too. No, we can't do it anymore. And you got to get reassigned. You got to get reassigned yeah. if you can't be strong. Is there a world where they can also be like, "Look, slip up. We're still friends. Can we just stop?" Mm-mm. I didn't try that. See that apology in the car led to sex. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> oh, True. Man. Every single conversation will end up <laughs> with them rolling around. Yep. The answer is don't fuck the married man, right? Mm-hmm. Here, here for that. And mm-hmm. on that note, we have learned so much. Thank you guys for hanging out with us, learning more about intersectionality with Rachel Cargill and her journey. Please go check out and support her work in the world. This is a good time. Yeah, we appreciate you guys tuning in. Please remember to share. Thank you for everyone who's been supporting us and reviewing because all of that really helps us make the best show that we can. So thanks. Mm-hmm. And we want you guys to come kiki with us on social. Hit us up at Obamas or the Daughters on Instagram, OOD Improv on Twitter, and Obamas or the Daughters on Facebook. And if you need advice, you can email us at oodpodcast at gmail.com. And if you know someone else who needs some advice, send them our way. We'd love to help. Yes, please. But until then, in the meantime, in between time, we'll see y'all on the internet. And can't wait to see you next week. (laughs) Bye. Bye. You Down is a production of Shondaland Audio in partnership with iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from Shondaland Audio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Like the gun sound. Oh, I didn't know those are guns. I thought it was just Jamaican reggae sounds. <laughs> it's reggae guns. Yeah. So what are they like? They, they blow out smoke or weed yeah, or something. They, blow out they, not weed. Guns. they don't have bullets. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>